0: Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here
1: is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang! Welcome back to your favorite Tuesday you've had all week. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. Joining me in studio today—you've been here a few times now, haven't you? Yeah, this is so five Mr. Or six. Matthew Dixon, How's thanks for joining us. Uh, and if folks are wondering, Matthew, why do I keep dragging you in here?
0: I think it's my good looks. Is that's, that it? That's got to be yeah, it. It's perfect for
1: radio. Nailed it. <laughs> so, uh, M- Matthew, you are in the process of going through. This is fun because you're going through the, I, I guess, the credentialing process to become a financial advisor. Right? I am. All right. I think I could say that on air, right? Yeah. We're Fair good. Enough. Yeah, we're, we're good with that. And so there's you've been doing the whole study regime. And... Uh, we have gone through some things together. It's been kind of an adventure.
0: It has been, but right? it's been a
1: good adventure. What I love, though, also is you bring this really fresh set of eyes to the financial equation, if you will. Yeah. Right? I mean, because a lot of this is, well, you're you're no different than anybody else listening, right? That's I, true. You use money. I do. Right? And it, it does stuff in your life. Uh. So as the, the, the fun story to me is uh, as one embarks on the journey to become a professional financial advisor, well, there's this learning curve. There is. And so you're taking it all in, taking a ton of it in, but some of it is still this, well, I haven't I haven't experienced it yet. I've just seen it academically.
0: Seen it on paper, read it in the book, haven't lived it yet.
1: Right. But but it's coming fast. It is. Uh, this is also why I love the uh, the idea of it's not an apprenticeship. That's the, It's really the wrong term. But it's the idea of sort of a mentorship process where you yeah. can go out there and make all your own mistakes. Or you can learn from somebody else's. <laughs> there we go. I prefer that <laughs> yeah, method. We'll I go did that it the round. hard way. I'm in my 21st year here, and my training curve was essentially like a Yellow Pages, right? It's like, well, here, get your license, and then start calling people. Crazy. Cold call. (laughs) Yeah, you really can't get away with that anymore. But at the time, that is how they sort of did it. Uh, I'm glad those days have ended.
0: Uh, Yeah, for the better.
1: I'm pretty sure that if anybody received a cold call from us, first that we could be reported on a list somewhere right like you did what <laughs> but second is uh it's just so unexpected anymore i mean you get robo calls all day long everyone's like gonna hang up spam. on you anymore yeah it feels useless but it must work because they're still doing it like did somebody bought a car warranty at some point can you believe that yeah Yeah. Did- oh. <laughs> It's true. It's I mean, it, it, that's all I can figure because they keep doing it. So, by the way, if that is you, stop it. None of us want the robocalls. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, today we're going to unpack some unusual stuff. We're going to take and spend a little time talking about the economy a little and because I find it very interesting. So here on The True Well Show, we talk about all kinds of stuff. And I'm going to say it, like I said, probably a million times before. Money is how you trade your time, true wealth are the memories and relationships that we form. But money is an important part of it. And so, Matt, with you here today, what I'm hoping that we'll do is I want to unpack a little bit about what I see going on in the economy. Okay. And I want to just invite you to ask questions as we go. Uh, some of these I know are going to be very relevant because you're in the middle of studying it. I'll probably ask you some questions and tee you up. Uh-oh, we're going to bomb those just no, before one. you will be great. Uh, and then some of them... Are I think questions a lot of our listeners are going to have too, so that's where we're going to go today. Sounds good. And the first thing we want to talk about is first off, well, today it didn't occur, but yesterday we had another all-time high, and I believe both the Dow, Nasdaq, and S and P 500.
0: And then it dropped a percentage. It did today.
1: Well, I saw like about a half a percent today. Okay, but but nevertheless, I've had many people that have said, "Well, we're due for a crash, right?" I,
0: I've heard that too. Okay.
1: And I, I I asked the question of, well, why? Why are we due for a crash? And That's a good question. It's well it's not a trick question if you're listening to that. What I'm what I'm seeking is what kind of data is one forming that opinion around?
0: I think just from what I've seen and from the people that I've talked to, I've heard a lot of comments along the lines of, well, Everything's so much more expensive. I've heard that. Um, I've also heard our current administration is heading us down a path that we can't recover from. I've heard that as well. Okay. Um, And I think that there's just a fear that people are going to get priced out of certain things.
1: Uh, All of the above. Now, I'm going to provide some context here. Personally, the last comment is really interesting. Where I hear it the most is housing yeah right it's just that uh and and the statistics are interesting because what it suggests is that the high end of the market is continuing to increase in price the low end of the market is stabilizing somewhat but that there's a structural problem okay now for all of you listening if what structural problem is a term that gets thrown out a lot it's not well defined Okay? So if you've never heard of this, I'm going to explain what it means. A structural problem means that you have something that's built into the way the system operates that doesn't work. Okay, It doesn't mean like, hey, we physically built a problem. Uh, you know, A structural problem in a building is like, well, that's not built right and it's not going to work. Okay, well, there, yeah. there's a structure with a problem. That's not what I mean. I mean something like, imagine if you had a business and the business by design costs more to run than it could profit. That's a structural problem. That business cannot survive, yeah, because it will cost more than it can produce, and you won't make that up in volume,
0: right? Yeah,
1: like you're you're going to ultimately run out of money, and the business will fail. If you have created a business model that costs more than you can profit, that would be a structural problem. Uh, we see this in a number of places, so we want to be aware of when you create structural problems. Now, housing is at a point where the price of building a house is becoming so high that to build any house at all, by the time you get permits and the raw materials and get it done, is no longer affordable.
0: What about the automotive market? I know I'm taking us in a different direction. Housing, I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw a report that rental cars are up 87% this yes. year. Yes. Um, And the cost of a new car is obviously a lot higher just because of the shortage, I feel like. Or do you think that those prices are gonna remain there after the chip shortage is over, if it ends anytime soon? And will that price remain high or will it stabilize?
1: Wow, so several questions in there and I'm gonna try to unpack several at once, okay? At the very most basic level, what determines the price of anything? Just
0: supply and demand. Correct. I right, think so. that we, because we haven't had those new vehicles available for so long, I think that that demand is going to be inflated. And we're going to have to play catch up. Yeah, I, And well, so those prices if, are going to
1: have to stay high for yeah, a long even time. Even if demand is the same. Which I, I think you're right. I think demand is increasing as the economy is trying to reopen and do what it's doing. And, and let's keep in mind also that uh, for most of us, we're broadcasting from rural Oregon. And you may be listening anywhere in the world if you're checking out this podcast. I don't know where you're at. But you get different, uh, a different look and feel depending That's on true. where you're at. Right. So uh, some states have reopened and it feels more normal. Some states less open, but the reality is that it's not just the United States, it's the globe and the supply chains have been disrupted. So what we did was we impacted the supply right in the supply and demand curve. We changed the supply. If demand is increasing for a while, demand went down. Right. Uh, But for vehicles, for example, COVID, more stay at home demand drops. But then they couldn't make the vehicles. Right. So when you shut down the manufacturing, if the demand stabilizes, but you now reduce supply, now you're going to see inflationary pressures because, well, drop in supply, price goes up. Yeah. And the increase in price is an inflationary component. The real question is is it permanent or not? Yeah. Right. Will supply chains begin to restore the production?
0: I guess that's the million dollar question. It
1: is. And there's something that's just the elephant in the room, and our listeners people are talking about it 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 drives people up the wall it drives me up the wall and it is theoretically reaching an end point but that has been the extension of well it's an unemployment benefit plus an additional enhancement to unemployment and so what that's done is it's incentivized some people to not get back into the workforce Some jobs have permanently left because companies retooled in COVID. But now we're seeing uh, hiring signs all over the place for the types of jobs that are left, which are primarily in the service industry, and we're having huge trouble filling the jobs. So part of that challenge is if you incentivize folks to not work because they're better compensated to not work than to work, you're going to have a problem. Indeed. Right? Indeed. Indeed. So I'm not going to tap dance around that any longer, right? There For a you season, people were, you know, for, for a season, we didn't know what we were dealing with, right? The government response, you can look back and say, good, bad, or otherwise, but that's armchair quarterbacking.
0: Right. We're here. We're yeah. in the moment.
1: Uh, now, I will armchair quarterback sometimes. I think for a little while you get a pass, and then at some point you go, you got to start looking at the data, and then you got to start behaving with the data. And, and then if you don't, the problem is people will start to question, why aren't you looking at the data? What are you looking at? And what is your motivation? And that's where people start going off into the whole conspiracy land. So enough about that. The reality, though, is it's creating inflationary pressure. If those benefits begin to change and it encourages people to go back into the workforce, we may see some easing in supply chains and we may see some of that inflation pullback. But if I were a betting person, I don't believe that's going to happen. Okay. I don't know that it's going to be radical, meaning uh, that we'll see 20% inflation, although we have in some areas or more. Yeah. Right? If you think about fuel prices from compared to a year ago or certainly from two years ago, but even a year ago. And bacon. And bacon prices. We're getting serious now. We are, so clearly things are more expensive, including the price of labor in many areas. Because you look at the wages that you know, a lot of fast food restaurants are advertising anywhere from fourteen to sixteen dollars an hour in some areas, which was well above where minimum wage used to be in most areas. Well, that is inflationary. Yeah, now, the McChicken
0: isn't a dollar anymore.
1: Yeah, If if you want to consider that, uh, you you may love the idea that, well, we should have higher wages, okay? That's a whole separate conversation about how things get priced. But right now, the policies are largely driving this. And they just, you're going to have trouble convincing me that, well, this is just natural economics. Like, no, when you shut things down and you disrupt supply chains and you reduce what's in supply, but you don't change the demand, the price will go up. Uh, In the case of shutting down urban areas and locking people in their homes for six months, people wanted out. And then the demand for housing went up. And when the companies said, you can work elsewhere, you know what people did? They worked elsewhere. So we drove the demand for housing way up. And we also made it super cheap to borrow money so people could pay more for those houses. You know what we also call that? Inflationary. Yeah. <laughs> so these are real trends in the economy. What what I want to talk about is what does this mean for the stock market? OK. Right. But we have to speaking of stock market. Yes, we have to take an obscene profit break first. So let's do that And when we come back. How is inflation in the marketplace going to spill over into your investments? We'll be talking about that more, but we got to take a break. Stick around. This is True Wealth if you listen to. No, this is David. And Matt, and you listen to True Wealth on News is. Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, that's the cue. We are back. This is your host Dave Littlejohn joining me in studio. Matt Dixon. All right. Good job. He's catching on to the cues here. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, if you were just joining us, feel free to check out the podcast that will be posted tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com. It is under the Educate tab where you can find out all kinds of stuff. There's a lot you. of
0: good tools on there.
1: There are a lot of tools on the website. I think everybody seems to have their website. And, you know, it's a matter of professional hygiene. Oh, we're a business. We got a website. There's some toys on there. There is. You know, you you can actually do. In fact, it's hard to do a full-blown financial plan, but you can do a lot of individual pieces of actual financial planning on our website.
0: Go on there and see what a refinance will do for you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's good. Or, you know, go out there and if you ever want to know what's it take to become a millionaire, uh, you know, what should I save and what rate of return and how long will it take me? all available calculators for you
0: i've shown that to a few people actually and when they see it for the first time you can see the wheels spinning yeah
1: i'll tell you that if i could reach more people and that's what i want this program to really gravitate toward it's something that everybody listening by the way we're going to start migrating toward more of a sort of a coaching and teaching methodology i like that we're gonna we're gonna add some other color to this Uh, with some things that we probably do off-site. You're going to see more on our YouTube channel. And so we're looking at trying to create some content because we get this question a lot, which is how, how do you really develop wealth? Yeah. And so it's not a mystery thing.
0: And it's sad how many young people don't hear that message and they don't understand it.
1: Right. And it's sad to me how it sounds like there's this massive amount of deferred gratification, like you're gonna somehow miss out on a ton of stuff because you can't have any fun and you just have yeah. to you know, eat beans and rice and do nothing forever. And it's not the case, right? It's just about str- your strategy and there are, there are subtle trade-offs that you can make that make this massive impact over time.
0: Yeah, right? especially Everybody if you start when you're really, really young. If you're 18 years old and you have a job, Go on there and punch in the numbers what, you know, $50 a month is going to do for you it's, with a decent rate of return. It's insane, right? Go punch the numbers in. Go to the website, type it in, and then.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'll be blown away. You will. And then the other is for a lot of folks, is consider for a minute, I had this conversation with somebody just the other day. Now, I'm about to share an idea with you that is not an investment idea. Now, I have to say that because. I can't give individualized investment advice on air. That's against the rules. We don't we do not do that, but I will just tell you that this is illustrative of what actually happened. If you'd purchased the S&P 500 uh, 10 years ago and looked at your returns, they look really pretty good. But had you taken and split between 80% S&P 500 and then about 20% into uh, a technology-focused fund or an exchange-traded fund, Odds are very good that your returns have outperformed the S&P 500. Just with that 20%. Just with that 20%. That is mechanically really tough to do. Outperforming the S&P 500 has historically been very hard because the formula is the 500 biggest companies. And if you stop being the biggest company, you're not growing anymore. Something else is growing faster. So you fall off the list and the new up-and-comer takes its place. So there's a really good opportunity set where you're capturing the up and comers that outperform everybody else. So it's a really good formula as far as long-term investment success historically, right? That doesn't mean that it's the right formula for you, and it doesn't mean it will continue to be, because as you know, if you've had any kind of investment uh, I- information ever, they will say past performance is no indication of future results. Yeah. And yet we look at past performance all the time, right? So what what happened under this under that story though is that the percentage of our economy that was attributed from technology increased right we've become more of a tech-centric economy over the last decade and so you've seen the proliferation of things like google and facebook and and amazon and you think amazon's a shopping company i got news for you amazon is out there getting defense contracts right now for aws Amazon Web Services.
0: Really? I actually did not know that.
1: Yeah, that was a big lawsuit. Uh, During the Trump administration, Amazon was competing for and lost out to Microsoft. It was a big lawsuit that came out of it and then later it it got split amongst multiple vendors. So Amazon and Microsoft and others came back and were awarded these multi-billion dollar contracts. Well, that's, that's big player action right there. I mean, that's when you have uh technology growing as a as a portion of your economy well had you had the foresight to know where the economy was headed then you could have invested and biased to those areas and you would have outperformed because you've skated to where the puck is going
0: i've had a lot of people ask me talking about tech Mm -hmm. what do you think the impact of the 5g network is going to be
1: I think that there's two things that are probably really impactful. 5G is one of them and I think Starlink is another or some variant okay. up. Yeah. let's but because the the larger play is about uh, ubiquitous or just ever present everywhere available broadband internet. yeah And what 5g does that's really fascinating to me is it solves some infrastructure problems. Uh, Here's the one that is on my radar. I don't know when, but my suspicion is over the next decade. And again, not financial advice here. We're just talking about looking in the future and reading tea leaves and crystal ball stuff here. My sense is that we have a density problem in most urban areas. right? The number of people and moving those people around creates a logistical problem. Some cities have solved that through brute force. You think about... Uh, cities that have tunneled underground to create train systems in the form of subways and so forth that has a very expensive uh, and still limited bandwidth hard to service if things break you got a problem so so you're thinking mass transit i'm thinking mass transit but i'm thinking transit in general we are learning to use more and more virtual communication tools okay so i think what we'll see is
0: like a self-driving car
1: you're, you're you're ahead of me, but that's part of it. Okay. I think the virtual stuff will include like your Zoom meetings will become much more immersive.
0: I agree with that.
1: Right. So I I think that we will see that environment maybe even go to like a virtual reality environment where it will feel almost like you're in the room with somebody. They'll get to that level of I uh, could see uh, that ability where I'm wearing a headset that makes me think that I see the person, uh, and then. Or if you're not even, you may not even have to wear a headset. It may simply be that we develop kind of a holographic style display. It's still clear in front of you, but it's it's got a I dimension think, function to it that I gives think the you the holographic more.
0: piece might be.
1: So I could see that technology being explored. Yeah. I also think that because we're running out of roads, you know, we're not yeah. going to put more lanes on the freeway. But my sense is that human error causes most of the traffic accidents. And so ultimately, 5G allows us to have driverless vehicles where a couple things happen with driverless vehicles. Right. We're so really, you
0: really are betting on the electric car market then. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I, it, it doesn't have to be an electric car, but the electric car makes sense. I think the technology that we ultimately get is we explore superior battery technology. I think graphene probably plays a role in that. It's a whole different element that's kind of fascinating. But um, you end up with electric vehicles that have hot swappable batteries if we can't create batteries that charge really fast so they'll just be standardized batteries that just sort of flop in and out uh and and that's the service station concept is you're no longer charging you're just walking up and going all right well swap the battery pack and i'm ready to go for another however many miles but uh then ownership of vehicles starts to change they're more like leasing like you don't everything becomes uber style where People don't have to own cars, or if you do own a car, it's like owning an apartment or something. You're putting it in service, it's running around, and you're getting paid for that car being in service. So I can okay. see I can see car manufacturers gravitating toward car. Like everything's a rental pool, right? Yeah. Uh, because any car becomes an available taxi if they're all autonomous and you hail a ride get in and it takes you somewhere and then you get out and it goes and picks up the next person. And it's a network that's completely autonomous, but it's smart routed by the computer systems. So if one thoroughfare is too full, it simply load balances to the other thoroughfares.
0: Thinking about just the car market in general, if we do go that route and we're pushing the electric vehicles and adopting those in, the fact of the matter is the electric vehicle has a lot shorter lifespan than the gasoline powered vehicle.
1: Well, the battery. Does. so, I think the engines. I well, the heard cost. That.
0: The you know the cost to replace the batteries at the current moment in time is so high that the you you might as well just go buy a new vehicle. Right. And so, I'm just thinking long term. The the turnover rate of, you know, you have an electric car for maybe eight years. The battery goes bad. The resale value is not there. We're going to be replacing those vehicles faster, and so then car manufacturers sales would actually increase because they're going to be making more cars because the older ones are going to get phased out so quickly
1: possibly my sense is that battery technology is going to be sort of driven by necessity yeah and i'm not going to be surprised if we find some uh, the bigger issue is how do you sort of recycle and upcycle Yeah, that is really the big issue. Because you've got these rare earth minerals that are otherwise fairly toxic, so you don't want to just be throwing these back into yeah. landfills or something like that. So we're going to have to, to deal with that, but my guess is that there's some form of reclamation process that will be worthwhile and sort of re- I guess, a way to recycle, yeah, the recycling, and or yeah. and I use again, or upcycling is well. Let's take things out of it and we'll, you know, turn it into other stuff. But yeah, I, I, I think necessity breeds invention on that stuff. Uh, I also think that that is a natural place where renewable energies. You go well, if you had a place to store it up, well, what better place than, well, battery packs that you can be patient while they charge because you don't have to necessarily burn fossil fuels. Then you might actually have a case for. Certain renewable energy because you got a mechanism to store it now and a, and a use for it, so uh, we haven't solved it yet, right? And, no, and, we haven't. And, and right now it doesn't pencil. It doesn't. Right. So, but at some point it will if we keep seeing fuel prices do what they do, then it probably will. Yeah. So anyway, uh interesting question, right? I don't know how do we how do we get to there from we we're talking about inflation and how it affects the market and we just totally went we, off and skewed into that we divulged it divulged diverge whatever yeah okay well let's do this we're running up on long segment here so yeah we'll, we'll grab a break and and maybe we'll talk about inflation when we come back hopefully we get there uh yeah, we'll, we'll see where Who knows goes. where we're gonna i go. know but it'll be fun whatever it is so stick around we'll be right back uh this is dave littlejohn and matthew dixon and you're listening to true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen All right, gang, welcome back to The True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, he's getting it better and better every time, folks. And if you are just joining us, podcast at FS posted tomorrow. And so now we've covered a bunch. We covered first uh, the, the idea of inflation, and then we were going to talk about how that was impacting the market. But we got sidetracked on this technology discussion of the future, and we started digging into the concept of electric vehicles, smart grids, and where that's going. And then on the break, we keep talking about it. Now I can't figure out if our listeners want to hear about the impact of inflation or if we should be finishing up on this whole uh, solar dilemma here. Let's
0: let's keep on the solar. This is interesting.
1: Okay, so you bring up a point at the break about our power grid, right? The power delivery system. We can't
0: handle that much electricity at the moment.
1: So now you're talking about... Uh, infrastructure. I, I me, yeah, I'm going to fill in our listeners just a minute because one of the things you mentioned is, uh, for example, General Motors has been trying to go yeah. to all electric. That, yeah. was, that was one statement at one point. I think uh, another example of that was, uh, I think it was and Volvo. And by a certain year, I think yeah. Volvo was going to say they were going to go to all electric or all hybrid.
0: Ford's got the electric F-150. Yeah. Mean,
1: and, of course, Tesla has been pioneering this. Now, I've said all along Tesla's a really interesting animal because yeah. I can't value it as a stock. Right. It doesn't fit any formula that I understand, but I can understand some elements that are very fascinating and they play all over the board. Right. So they manufacture batteries, power walls, solar roofs, vehicles, and an Elon Musk is also linked to both Starlink, which is the global low orbit satellite internet delivery system. Yes. Right? Low orbit, low A lot latency. of people are
0: buying into that, too. Yeah, and it's a really it's interesting good. concept. It's a good service. The internet's fast. Uh-huh. It gives you a product that you can't get otherwise.
1: So uh, I've, I've not used it. It is The concept is interesting to me. Uh, but also SpaceX. Ugh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious why the Ah, uh,
0: You know, you see Bezos and you see... Well, that's Blue Origin. Yeah, I know, but you see everyone. They're... Yeah. Going up into orbit. Or Virgin Galactic. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: it, it does seem like a uh, bazillionaire, you know, bragging rights contest. Yeah. I could think of a lot more uh, sort of lewd ways to describe it. I'm just like- Until they nice. land on
0: the moon, I don't care.
1: Well, and I don't know that landing on the moon is really the end-all be-all anyway. I would no, it's not. Go, hey, NASA called and said the 60s called. Where you been? Yeah. Right? So... <sighs> The the point is more about where it's going to me. Yeah. If you think about... This is the the way it fits together in a strange way. Uh, Starlink is a good funding mechanism for SpaceX. If it they is. were linked. Because now you have the subscription model, global in nature, lots of people paying a little bit every month, turns into bazillions of dollars of income, and then you can figure out how to put things in space. And the great frontier of space is the mineral and mining exploration is a huge factor, right? Yeah. What if you could go to an asteroid belt and collect rare minerals that were useful for batteries and so forth that you have trouble finding here? Well, then all of a sudden the idea of a space force of as a division of the military is less crazy, too. It makes a little more sense. Because how do you control the low, you know what's in space, the satellites, where they are? Right. Even that has to do with telemetry of launching rockets. You need to know what's up there so you don't fly into it. Yeah. So this takes on a whole different role. Is, is, is it really clown stuff? Well, Netflix would have you believe that. but Or is there something to it? Anytime there's Maybe. that much
0: money involved in something, it's probably a good bet that it's not just clown stuff.
1: I Yeah, I don't know. I've seen the government blow money before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but when private <laughs> you know, something and, uh, like something like four trillion dollars of stimulus, and I'm kind of looking around, going, "Well, did it work or didn't it?"
0: I guess when you got mm. enough money, especially when we're talking about Bezos, I mean, it, you can afford to play. So maybe it yes. was just for fun, but maybe there's a I doubt it's motive. just
1: for fun, but I think it's also what else do you do? Right. right? I mean, the joke is like, when how many yachts can you have? Yeah, right. I mean, well, I get a different yacht for every weekend. Okay, so why, right? You forget what, oh shoot, I left my favorite shoes on the wrong yacht. Is that, yeah. is that the problem? Yeah,
0: okay, but going back to this power grid and the solar panels, yes. I, wanna, I wanna hear your thoughts on this and I wanna know what direction you're gonna take this.
1: All right, so here's a couple of things. Let's not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Solution Game for a minute. Ooh. Okay. Solution Game is, it is, unlikely that we're going to just replace all the power grid infrastructure. The the cost to do that is comically high. Yeah. So I think that the solve has to do more with grid management and buying time. We will continue to upgrade it over time, but you buy time by doing things like smart thermostats. Do we
0: have enough time to actually buy the time, though? If the deadline is 2035, well, do we... Well,
1: but who set that deadline?
0: I think that was wasn't it general Mo- or was it california that said we're going to well, be all electric by this time oh, right. or was it general motors that said we're going to phase it all out but you also have to think supply and demand i mean if no one's buying these cars maybe well, they don't actually go that route
1: and you also have to think politicians have done some pretty Stupid False promises. As well. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. no, I'm just call it what it is. There's been some pretty stupid promises that have been made, where they may have been well intended, or they may have simply been because it was appealing to a base to get a vote to yeah, stay in like, power. Didn't
0: Joe Biden promise to cure Alzheimer's if he was elected? I don't know.
1: I think that was in there. It, it it's possible. You know, I I try to avoid. I don't think anybody questions sort of my political leanings, but I'm not here to pick. a a political party as a team like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call out well call out if somebody's doing something overtly stupid and i catch them but i'm not here to say like i believe something and everybody else should too that's not the point i have a an ideology and a problem solving methodology and things i believe in and i'm not afraid to commit to those on air yeah like i'm not afraid to say like i am largely a fiscal conservative but i am not a jeffersonian conservative of like (laughs) uh it should just like everybody fend for themselves i'm not that way i think that corporate investment that yields more than we put in is a good investment like if i put a dollar into something from a tax perspective and i get more than a dollar back out that's a win always right so i i don't object to that I just object to some of the flagrant things, or when the government gets into the social side of things where we're engineering and we're, we're playing favorites and stuff like that. I'm like, that is nonsense. Yeah. Because why is the government favorite? if i disagree with them why are they right and i'm wrong i say well majority rules and i go i thought we protected the minority and they go well not in this case so which one is it right like pick your team and Let and let the
0: rules remain the same
1: yeah i mean like let's just pick some rules and stick with them here rather than well when it's when it suits my use case it works and when it doesn't i change the rules like, I've done this before. It's like playing with a three-year-old. Right? <laughs> they keep changing the rules so they win every time. I'm like, why don't you just call the game, I win, and then get over it, right? <laughs> I can accept it from a three-year-old. I can't accept it from adults that are elected into positions of leadership.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Make that into a T-shirt, David. I need that as a T-shirt. <laughs>
1: it's just, like, I've been tired of electing three-year-olds.
0: The government pointing at you saying, I win.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> just... That's the game. Sometimes I just bash my head on a wall, going, "But did we win? <laughs> Who won? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's winning right now." Okay, so power grid, power grid, power grid, and the and the, and the issue with the power grid is if it's super expensive. Uh, first, the dates are kind of arbitrary, but I think what you do is you redistribute the load. You can shift stuff around. You can. Uh, the variable pricing do- will work to a certain extent. Will we go to nuclear energy at all? I don't think so. No. And and it's unfortunate, but I but, you know we haven't had. My understanding is we haven't built a new nuclear power plant in the United States since the '70s, I think. Yeah. And once there was that uh, large disaster of what was it, Fukushima? Was that the Japanese? Yeah. Event? That's, that's got to be about ten years ago now, isn't it?
0: But, and then uh, we had Chernobyl.
1: Well, that was well before. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's largely accepted that uh, geothermal
0: power, though. I think it's uh, is it uh, Iceland or yeah, Geothermal's
1: yeah. really interesting. Um, there there are a number of things that we could do, and I wouldn't I wouldn't take nuclear off the table, but it it's because I've seen some really interesting work, even with things that are like spent fuel rods and how that's reprocessed into a usable functional fuel in a much safer, more portable environment. And so I just think that necessity breeds invention. Yeah. Right. Uh, Until there's a reason to do it, people don't throw the ingenuity at it. If it doesn't make sense, because if the government says you cannot do it, then people won't bother. Right. Yeah. Uh, If they say, Uh, it's, you know, it's too expensive, then there's a threshold at which people won't do it. But at some point, it won't be like if we ran out of oil, you know what, we would have to figure out a
0: solution. Yeah.
1: And we will at some point run out of oil. Right? I mean, like, it is there's so much in the ground. And like, we pull it out and it eventually get I don't know when we're getting way more efficient with it we are uh, i know i'm the, not a hater of fossil fuels some people are, oh gosh they're the worst I uh no i i i'm okay with the idea if you burn something and we don't pollute the atmosphere which that's tricky to do but it's possible then they're not wholesale bad if they're holistically managed for the entire thing we use like plastics are petroleum-based they're everywhere yeah. and you love them you got lots of safety equipment made of plastic. So <laughs> I'm not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one. But uh, as far as power grids go, I think what you'll see that's really interesting is the distribution of power creation, Okay. right? It's like the idea of a solar roof. Or, Could we get
0: so efficient that like, if everyone does have solar roofs and they produce more energy and they start selling it back to the grid, I mean,
1: well, selling it back to the grid or storing it. Right. Yeah. The idea that one of the things about electric cars that people don't even necessarily think about is what if you just had solar and you were just charging your car all the time? You've effectively stored energy in the car, too. Right. I mean, there's a big battery. And with the new F-150,
0: it can power the house for like two or three days on a power outage.
1: So that's but that's sort of largely the point is that what we're creating is lots of storage mechanisms. So what if we just end up with lots more trickle charging? Yeah. Right. You could do that without taxing the grid the same way. You just need an appropriate way to store it back to the idea of swappable batteries or rapid charge batteries that can that can store things. The trick is, can we do it safely? And Can we do it without being toxic and volatile?
0: Some of these chargers, I actually read this just the other day, and they were talking about how they have chargers now that they're installing that take as much energy as a grocery store with all the lights on, everything going, an entire grocery store's worth of power to one single charger. Now, we don't have the car yet that can handle that type of quick charge, but they're already installing it so that the infrastructure is capable of handling that type of load in the future. I find that interesting.
1: I find that really interesting too. Um, We'll talk more about it, but we gotta take a last break. So we'll do that, and if you're curious, Stick around because uh, we've got a few minutes left, and we'll find some more nuggets for you. So, thanks for tuning in. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth show. Uh, grab the podcast at littlejohnfs.com to get caught up on everything you've missed. It's a ton today, right? We, we've covered all kinds of stuff. We started with inflation and we got off on this technology uh trip today. And a lot of that, I gotta admit, I'm interested in it, but technology has become a, a much more significant portion of our economic output. We, we have seen this shift economically in the United States from Uh, we used to have a lot of manufacturing jobs. Our manufacturing capacity is not that diminished in terms of our capability of manufacturing stuff, but what we've seen is a lot more robotization, a lot more robotization, I think that's the right way to say it, a lot more uh, automation in general, so, uh, and we've seen certain parts of manufacturing go global, right, so they've left the country. I think uh, a case in point was, you know, Personal protective equipment manufacturing. A lot of it came from overseas. When COVID hit, it was like, it "Oh, did. we got a problem here." Now we were able to reclaim some of that manufacturing capacity, uh, and so that is something that uh, you know you hope the economy can figure out, so that we just have you know robust emergency response. But the the larger point is that the economy has changed over time, right? Like the jobs look different today than they did fifty years ago, and. Arguably, 50 years from now, they will look different again. Oh, yeah. So the interesting thing to me is that if you talk to anybody that's working right now, like almost universal response is, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. Like, like everybody seems to have a lot to do. Well, it was predicted 30 years ago. Uh, I don't remember where it was, but study I read that, that people were going to run out of stuff to do. <laughs> right? Every, all the jobs are going to be done by robots. We're going to run out of stuff to do, and everybody's going to have to figure out how to spend their time and leisure because we were, just weren't going to have enough jobs for everybody. Well, that has not been the case. No. <laughs> and the larger point, I think, is uh, I- unless we see a cultural change, which is possible, right? You know, we, we could engineer a cultural change, but the United States is pretty creative. You know, we we're, we're a pretty innovative culture. When there's opportunity, people seek it. Uh, this one throws me off all the time. Uh, we can hate on the bazillionaires all we want, but m- most of the Forbes 100 list are first-generation billionaires.
0: Yeah, they just had the initiative and the desire to go out and chase something.
1: Well, and it's it's a perfect cocktail, right? Let's, let's not pretend that there's not a certain amount of luck being in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right backers and the right idea. Because there are plenty of brilliant people out there that aren't successful. But every now and then, lightning does strike somewhere. And when it does, if you are prepared and have those other things, it's remarkable. I mean, Jeff Bezos didn't come from Uber money, nor did Bill Gates, right? I mean, uh, even Warren Buffett, he's in his 90s, but he you know didn't come from yeah. uh, this huge financial backing. Warren Buffett just started investing at age 11 and kept Dumball going. Dumball machines. Yeah, and pinball machines. He rebuilt pinball machines too. Yeah. So, you know, these fascinating stories of how wealth is created. So, uh, I think the innovation factor in our economy is the one that's really hard to handicap. When people say, "Oh, well, it's the end of the world. It's, you know, the we're just not going to make it, right? America's going down the tubes." And I go, "I just don't count out innovation." You can't. Yeah, if we if we kill the opportunity, if we make it so that there's no opportunity innovation, that could be ugly, Ooh. yeah. But otherwise, no. Yeah. So let's answer the question here first. Do you think we'll solve the problem with? Uh, do you think technology is going to ultimately figure out how to get power distributed to everybody? What's your What's your thought? Yeah, I do. I yeah. think I think necessity breeds invention, and we're pretty amazing. Uh, and it, it doesn't always come from America, but I think that we'll solve that problem in, in one form or fashion. Yeah. So. Do you think inflation is here to stay, or do you think it's transitory?
0: I think it's gonna, I think inflation's going to keep rising, but at a certain point, it's got to come to a halt and things got to normalize. It, and it's a balance. It's a teeter-totter. It's going to level out. Yeah.
1: I think it'll be interesting to watch, and I think the next uh, six months will be really interesting. I, I wrote in a professional blog that you know, what if we've seen the market highs for the year already? Yeah. Do, do you think we have a 2008 style event coming?
0: I do think that the the interest rates on homes will go up. So if you are thinking about refinancing, I mean, look into it. But I do yeah. think that we can't give you advice, yeah. but
1: we can say, do your homework. Do your homework. So, well, I, I think the cost of capital is really low right now. I think the Federal Reserve may have its hand forced, and we may see rising rates. Certainly in the future, at some point, it will happen. It has uh, to. It, it you can't it, stay this low. It's implied in the numbers that aren't being reported. You know, we've changed the way we report them, and that's the part that's really interesting to me. So I would say watch closely, because I I think that at some point money printing and uh, what we've got going on economically has got to come back to get real. And uh, So I'm interested in what really happens, not what people on the news tell me is going to happen. Yes. And I guess you could include me in that picture. I mean, we're here on the radio saying that, right? We are the news. No. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, look, we're out of time for the day, so we'll leave you with this simple idea. Uh, if you do not have somebody uh, in your world that's helping you with your finances, you're welcome to give us a call. We'd be delighted to at least give you uh, an opinion or two and let you go from there. You can reach us by calling 541 375 or email to info at littlejohnfs.com. But we're out of time for today, so until next time, thanks for tuning in. This has been David Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.